This is episode 164 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are Prepper's Last Wishes, a prep that never crossed your mind, and Top 20 Places to Scavenge for Supplies after SHTF. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. And before we get started, just a couple of things that I've been seeing. Um, there was an article on CNBC, and I normally don't go to CNBC. I, I linked it, uh, linked from it, from Twitter actually to it. Yeah, but the uh, the title of it caught my attention, and it says cash is already pretty much dead in China as the country lives the future of mobile pay right now. And so um, this article, Evelyn, or this uh, author, Evelyn Ching, or Cheng, I guess. Uh, just just a couple of bullet points here at the beginning. Mainline China stores and services are increasingly centered around mobile pay apps like WeChat Pay and AliPay. Chinese mobile payments volume more than doubled to $5 trillion in 2016, according to analysis data cited by Hill House Capital. And mobile pay is growing so rapidly in mainline China that, as a foreigner, I sometimes found it difficult to complete basic transactions without it. The dominance of mobile transactions lends itself to greater data collection by the Chinese government. So though that last one right there, the dominance of mobile transactions, leads itself to greater data collection by the Chinese government. It's one of the things that Martin Armstrong of Armstrong Economics has been saying for a while. We link to, uh, to uh, Martin's uh, posts sometimes on PrepperWebsite.com. I mean, they're most, mostly economical. He does some really great like historical looking back at things. Um, but he's been saying this for a long time, that governments are going to be going to cashless uh, societies. They, they want to go that way because that, that way they can track it. And so... Those of us who are coming from maybe like a religious standpoint, uh, we start, you know, freaking out because you always hear about the mark of the beast and all that kind of stuff. Um, he's, he's more along the lines that the reason that it's happening is because government is so hard up for money right now that they're, they are trying to track all the money that they can so they don't lose. They're so greedy that they, they don't want to lose any kind of tax revenue. They don't want anything you know on the black market or behind the scenes. They don't want you dealing in cash because they can't really track those, those transactions. They want to be able to track everything. And so we saw a little bit of that happening this last year in India where they took away some of the big uh, cash notes. And uh, I mean, that really hurt their economy big time. But it was, you know, India, I mean, we're not talking about a small country over there. There's a lot of people over there and they were having some serious issues. But a lot of people believe that's like a test run, you know, uh, for, you know, what big societies, you know, if they would be able to handle it. What would, uh, you know, what would the population do? Are they going to revolt or whatever? Uh, because the, for the most part, people didn't have big amounts, big dollar amounts to work with. They had the small bills and those were, were eaten up very, very quickly. So people had to go to, uh, you know, a cashless system somehow. And so we know that a lot of places in Europe are already uh, experiencing this. But then when I saw this article on CNBC by this, by this, uh, this journalist, it kind of caught my attention because it's going that way. You don't hear too much about China and, and the pay there, but that's the way it's going. And then the fact that 
the government would be able to track you know your your transactions and where they're going and all that so very scary stuff out there uh, but that's one of the big reasons at least you know when you're looking at it from a non-spiritual uh, point of view is that government is so hard up for money I mean they they don't want to change their ways they don't want to uh, spend less they want to continue spending more they want to continue taking your money and so they're going to do everything they can uh, to to do that including making you not you know not use cash so, uh, you know, that's something in the preparedness community we always talk about. You know, make sure you have some cash on hand because if the poop hits the fan, people aren't going to, uh, you know, you know, credit card machines aren't going to be working and blah, 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 and ATMs and, and banks are going to close down. And so it's always good to have cash. It's good to have cash on you. Uh, that's no doubt. Um, but, you know, if a, if, a, if a country goes to a cashless society where they, they get to the point where, okay, we're not even dealing with cash anymore, uh, what do you do at that point? You know, maybe you go completely into precious metals. Um, also, not you haven't heard a lot about Hurricane Nate. I mean, you know, those of you that are on the Gulf Coast and 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 uh, are experiencing it, I mean, you definitely have heard, but uh, not not the coverage like you. We saw Harvey and Irma and Maria, uh, but you know, nonetheless, I mean, I know that there's people without power and you're you're dealing with that. So uh, our uh, our hearts and prayers. Are, are with you guys if you're if you're out there and you're um, you're experiencing uh, you know uh, the issues from from the hurricane I'm, I'm starting to wonder you know one of the things that you you got to think about is do do people get like hurricane fatigue right and not necessarily hurricane fatigue but just like news overload fatigue where they've been talking about it so much. We've been talking about Hurricane Harvey and Irma and Maria and what's going on in Florida and, and the Gulf Coast and Puerto Rico and the islands. And then it's like this one. And, it, you know, uh, Hurricane Nate was a smaller hurricane. I think it only got up to Category 1. But, I mean, it, it's, it's going to cause some problems nevertheless. And so you just wonder, like, after a while, like, people just get tired of it. Like, we don't want to give anymore. We don't want to hear about hurricanes. We don't want to... You know, but it still affects, and so that's one of the things that you need to be thinking about. Is like if things start going downhill, you know, at some point people are just going to want to like, hey, you know, catch a break. You know, I, I want to go somewhere. I want to escape. I want to you know lose my mind and you know maybe drown my sorrows in some alcohol or some drugs or or whatever. I'm just tired of hearing all this negative stuff. And so I wonder if people deal with uh, the fatigue, you know, uh, uh, disaster fatigue, catastrophe uh, fatigue, crisis fatigue. Uh, definitely is, a, is, I think that's a real issue. There's a couple of earthquakes. I know my uh, prediction app uh, from Suspicious Observers, uh, disaster prediction app, uh, went off a couple of times. It actually went off like four times. Um, it was saying that there was like more, like four, there was four, six point and above uh Earthquakes. When I went over to uh, USGS, I, I didn't see six. Uh, there was a 6.6 in Alaska. Well, at least it's saying that it's Alaska. It looks more like uh, it's, it's closer to Russia. But there were some 4.7s, uh, 6.1 in Tonga, uh, and so you know, earthquakes there are always something you need to you need to uh, be paying attention to. Um, those of you that are on the email list, I've been talking about this. Guys, be looking for an email coming to you on Tuesday. Uh, I'm sending out um, a very special email to you. Uh, there's still time to get onto the email list. 
if you're listening to this on Monday, uh, but uh, you know, so you can come over to the Prepper website podcast.com and, and sign up. But so sending one out, I'm kind of excited about that one. So hopefully you'll uh, you'll uh, get to that one and uh, be expecting that one on Tuesday. All right, so let's go ahead and start with uh, our articles. Our first one comes to us from PrepperBits.com. And the article is, I mean, this is one that you don't think about. Prepper's Last Wishes, a prep that never crossed your mind. So there's some really good things here that uh, you need to consider. So let's go ahead and start on this one. Today I'm going to talk to you through an area of personal preparedness that many people may have failed to take care of. This is an area of prepping that might not have crossed your mind before, but nonetheless is one you should consider. This is the matter of making your last will and testament, your will, or to put it another way, your prepper last wishes. Making a will is a legal mechanism of ensuring that your wishes are carried out should you pass away. It's about ensuring that your family and loved ones are taken care of should you die. In, the re- in this remainder of the article, we will look at some of the reasons why this may not have crossed your mind and the benefits of making a will. Reason preppers may not have made a will. There are a number of reasons why people put off making their will. Here are some of the more common ones. In the event of a catastrophe, in the event of a catastrophe, they feel there would be nothing left to leave. They have simply forgotten. They feel they have nothing of value to leave. Indifference, they think someone else will take care of it when they're gone. Dislike of the paperwork, believe that everything automatically goes to spouse or partner, and reluctance to contemplate their own deaths. Why all people, including preppers, should make a will? Making a last will and testament is important in order to ensure your loved ones and family are provided for when you pass away. When a person you love passes away, this is naturally going to be a time of emotional upset and often a stressful situation. As a prepper, husband and father, in my opinion, everyone should make a will. Why wouldn't we want to ensure that we have a will in place to make it easier for our family to deal with the things at a time of additional emotional stress? It doesn't matter where, whether you are a prepper or not, none of us have a crystal ball with regard to when our time is up. In the section above, I listed some of the reasons people put, put off making a will. Now it's time to look at these reasons, or dare I say excuses, in more detail. Below I will revisit these reasons once more and explain why these reasons are not really valid reasons for failing or avoiding putting your affairs in order. In the event of a catastrophe, they feel there would be nothing left to leave. It's true that one of the areas we prepare for is the absolute worst case scenario, a doomsday event of catastrophic proportions that could end the world as we know it. This scenario may or may not happen in our lifetime, so you can't just take this one scenario into consideration. Instead, you should also consider the other possible outcomes of life that could result in your passing. Plan also for these situations by making a will to provide for your family. They have simply forgotten. We all have very busy lives and it is easy to forget things or put them to the back of our minds. This is one of the reasons for me writing this article. My advice is right now, write on a post-it note or piece of paper that you need to do or make a will. Leave this note in a prominent position like your fridge, desktop, memo board, diary or anywhere that will ensure you will keep seeing this reminder until you do it. My grand used to say, why put off till tomorrow what you can do today? So bear this in mind. They feel they have nothing of value to leave. Making a will is not just about financial wealth. It covers areas such as choosing parental guardians for your children. It takes care of your personal possessions like preps. 
It provides for any future inheritances you may receive in your lifetime. It informs your loved ones of what you want to happen to you when you pass away and more. The indifference they think someone will else, someone else will take care of it when they're gone. No doubt somebody would have to deal with your affairs if you pass away without making a will. Ask yourself this question though. Do you really want to leave this world in the knowledge that you have left your loved ones in an emotional and financial pickle? Isn't it far more responsible for us to deal with this stuff while we are alive so they can remember the good times and not the stress of sorting your affairs? The dislike of paperwork. Making a will is not as complicated as you think, and if your circumstances and wishes are straightforward, there are will templates available so you can do it yourself. Although seeking out a professional who offers an initial free consultation may be beneficial. Believe that everything automatically goes to spouse or partner. Depending on the country in which you reside in, this may be the case. But what if, God forbid, you and your spouse or partner are in an accident and die together? They won't be around to benefit and you would have made no provision for your children or loved ones. The reluctance to contemplate their own deaths. No one likes to dwell on their own mortality. After all, when the sun is shining, all is well, and there are more cheery subjects to think about than wills. The truth is, it doesn't take long to get one sorted, and once completed, you don't have to think about it again, unless there's a major change in your circumstances. Prepper's last wishes. Why a will is prepper relevant? As preppers, our goal is to be as prepared as we can for many emergencies, survival, and disaster scenarios. We store food and supplies. We have emergency kits, plan escape routes, we have bug out locations and self-defense mechanisms in place. But we don't have a crystal ball, so try to plan for all situations that may or may not happen. The one thing we all know will happen to us at some point is our death, so making a will as a prepper is, the checkbox, is a checkbox task. Think about it like this. Aside from all the other benefits of making a will, if none of these have persuaded you thus far, have you considered what would happen to all your hard-earned and research preps should you pass away? Wouldn't you want them to go to the people you were trying to protect them out, protect from the outset? The legal requirements and wording of your last will and testament will vary depending on your country of residence. Although in most cases there is a lot of similarity in some of the legal wording used. For example, terms like executor and beneficiary it's important to check the relevant laws and rules that apply to the country in which your assets are held. Sometimes this can require you to have more than one will. Prepper or a non-prepper, it's just as important to put your own and your loved one's mind at rest that your affairs are in order should you pass away. For information and links to other prepper-related resources, why not check out our prepper resource section. Alright, so good article over here and one that we don't always think about. Um, let me tell you something. I have, um, I have friends who, uh, and one friend I'm thinking about right now. Um, he had an uncle who um, who believed in doomsday scenarios, and this guy prepared for it. And he had a lot of uh, preparedness items, and so he had told my friend that when he's gone, if he was ever to go, uh, that he was going to be. Uh, left as the executor of the will. But what happened is his kids got in there and there was no will. No will could be found. There was no will that was uh, documented with the courthouse, with the, the, the county clerk. 
And so it kind of went to the family, and the family started divvying up things and doing things, and, and all the, the, the things that he told my, my friend that he wanted to be done didn't get done because there was no will left. And so, you know, that's, that's a scary thing. This reminds me of a, I, I wrote an article at one point when I had, a, for Ed That Matters, I wrote an article for my email list, and I never put it on, on the website. Uh, and then uh, Gay over at Backdoor Survival picked it up and she asked me if she could post it on her website and she did. And then I was going to, uh, uh, at one point after you know it had been shared out on Backdoor Survival, I was going to put it on Ed That Matters and I never did. I need to go grab it and, and, and put it on Ed That Matters. Um, because it, the idea was, because there's so many of us that prep and uh, our families are unaware, our families... Uh, understand preparedness and they're okay with preparedness but maybe they're not into it as much as uh, as you are uh, into it um, so this idea was a letter that uh, someone uh, that that a male that a husband had written to his wife uh, so after he was after he passed away and it was giving I guess the wife giving her uh, things to do like hey th you know th this is where this is at this is where this is at and of course it's a fictional letter but it's an example of a letter that you could write uh, if you are into preparedness and maybe there's people and there you know maybe your kids or your uh, your 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 spouse they're not into it and so it was a letter that kind of laid it all out like hey I've got some uh, some ammo maybe hidden over here. I've got some precious metal under the underneath this thing over here. Um, one of the things that you should consider is this or this or whatever. And so um, you know, I thought that was important. So um, again, you there's people out there that are prepping, and you don't you know you you have family members that maybe you might are okay with it or maybe they're not okay with it, but uh, they still you know hey this is your hobby or whatever and they give that to you. Um, so if you were if something was to happen to you, if you were to die, what would all that what would happen to all of those things? You know, would they even know what to do if they looked at a Sawyer Mini water filter? What you know, what would they think? Would they know what it's for? Is in the pack, if they got to a bug out bag, you know, would it would they just think that it was a bag that had a bunch of camping gear in it and just kind of give it away to a Boy Scout? I mean, you know, all those kinds of things, you know, play play in, in, into this. So uh, that might be a good idea. One of the sad things, and if someone left the message down here in the comments, so you can go check those out, is, uh, is you know, and I know that this happens a lot, is the kids uh, are, are nowhere near uh, understanding why their parents prepare or maybe why their dad prepared or whatever. And so uh, parents pass away and the kids get in there and they see all this preparedness stuff and food and they just start throwing it away. Like we don't know what it is and we just start throwing it away and or they start taking big boxes to uh, to uh, Goodwill or you know to a, re a resale shop. They just go and give it away and they just have no idea all the time and the effort and the money that was invested in this to help be prepared. And so, uh, you know, that's another reason for, for your will. And so if you have family, so I, I would think something that you would want to do if you were writing a will as a, as a prepper and you had family members who didn't want to prepare at all. So in your will, you could say, okay, I have these items, you know, boom, 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 all these, all these preparedness items and all this, you know, like food storage or whatever. And 
it's for it's for the sake of being prepared in case the poop hits the fan. But if family members do not want to take it, then I would like all this material, all these items, to go to so-and-so, right? And so maybe you have a prepper friend. Maybe you have uh, someone that you know that you can say, I'd like all these materials to go to this person over here. You know, instead of throwing them away, instead of sending them to Goodwill or Salvation Army or just, you know, whatever, uh, send, you know, give these items to my friend over here and uh, you know that they would be used that way. So that might be something that you might consider if you are uh, doing a prepper will and you could write that in there. Uh, and, I, you know, there's plenty of people out there who are preparing uh, who would, you know, that would greatly benefit from something like that. And again, I, I know that there, this happens all the time uh, where uh, with all different kinds of things, not just preparedness items, but uh, I remember talking to uh, a young a young uh, girl whose uh, parents died and the dad was a minister and he had this great library, right? This great Christian library of all these pastoral books and commentaries. And, and so I had asked about them. She goes, oh, we just boxed them up and gave them to Goodwill. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And, you know, that, that's a library that, you know, any pastor would have loved to have. So there's all different kinds of things like that. So very, very interesting article, something that you should do. I think a lot of the times people are just, it's the time. But there are, um, there are uh, online uh, wills and things like that you can do. You just got to fill, fill them out and then get, get them notarized. And then you want to file them, right? You want to file them with, uh, with the, the courthouse so that they have it on file. So if anybody ever had any question, it's there uh, just in case they couldn't find it in your, in your home. All right, so that's over at PrepperBits.com. Go check it out. Um, you know, always a good article over there. Our next article comes to us from UrbanSurvivalSite.com. Again, UrbanSurvivalSite.com. This article is Top 20 Places to Scavenge for Supplies After SHTF. So it's one of those articles that you're like, all right, uh, if the poop hits the fan, you know, what are we doing? What are we, where are we going? Uh, and so uh, one of those things to kind of think about. And uh, there's a reason why I'm, I'm going to bounce off of this one at the end. Now, as we read different things, as we read some of these top 20 places, uh, think about, you know, do you work in one of these places? Are you familiar with one of these places? Or maybe you work in one of these places, you work in a place that wasn't described here that people don't normally think about and, you know, would be uh, a great place to scavenge some materials, all right? So uh, let's go ahead and get started on this one. Top 20 places to scavenge for supplies after SHTF. Some of you might be thinking, I'm a prepper. I won't have to scavenge for supplies. I already have everything I need. Maybe, maybe not. Even if you've been prepping for years, it's still possible you forgot a few things. But even if you didn't forget anything, you could still end up in a situation where you need something you never thought you needed. What if you have to take in a pregnant woman or a parent with a small child? You may have to go looking for baby formula. What if your mother's prescription medications are lost or destroyed? You may have to go looking for replacement meds. What if a crucial piece of gear is damaged? What if you need parts for your shelter or vehicle? These are just a few possibilities off the top of my head. There are dozens of situations you won't think of until you're in them. The point is, you might have to scavenge for supplies after the poop hits the fan. If someone's life is on the line, you'll have no choice. 
but before I explain how to scavenge, I want to clear up some confusion about the difference between scavenging and looting. After Hurricane Katrina, we saw videos of people running down the street with arms full of jewelry and electronics. Were they scavenging or looting? I think that's pretty clear. Looters are not looking for things they need to stay alive. They're just taking advantage of the situation. Looters know someone is going to miss the stolen items. They know the owner will eventually return and find out what's missing. For these reasons, looters are no different from common thieves. Scavengers are completely different. They only search for things after the end of the world as we know it, and they only take things that have been discarded or are unlikely to be missed. There could be a situation where you have to take food or medicine that will be missed, but I believe this is justified if someone needs it to live. Taking food or medicine right out of someone else's hands is another matter. I know some legalists who insist that stealing is stealing no matter the circumstance, but in my opinion, morality is not a simple list of do's and don'ts. And frankly, people who are squeamish about morally gray areas will not do well after the SHTF. I think um, people who uh, have gray areas, uh, won't, it, not that they won't do well after the SHTF, I think that their ideas on morally gray areas would change after the SHTF. And, you know, granted, we're talking about here like serious dystopian fictional novel type stuff. Uh, you know, Walking Dead, uh, some of the, you know, some of the, the things that you read about. I think it's still good to have an idea of, of what we're talking about here and, and, and have it in the back of your mind. Uh, but, you know, some people do have the, the, that problem. I know that in just in, in uh, some of Mark Goodwin's books, that's always, because uh, you always have uh, Christians who are, you know, starting to, to scavenge for things. And so, the, you know, there's always that, that, um, that, that, pull and push, you know, with their, the, with morality that they're, that they're dealing with. All right, so moving on. Here's how to scavenge after the SHTF. Send a scout. If you know the area you want to search, it's a good idea to send a scout with binoculars, a radio, and a gun. Scouts should use their binoculars to watch the area for a few hours and make sure no one is living there and that there are no bandits lying in wait. It might sound paranoid, but some people become very dangerous when there are no places or no police to keep them in check. The last thing you want is to get robbed or possibly killed while scavenging for supplies. The radio is so your scout can stay in touch. If the area is com compromised or not worth the trouble, the group leaders can instruct the scout to return or to check another area. If you lose contact with your scout, you'll know something is wrong and can send reinforcements. But the reinforcements need to be careful not to wander into a trap. The purpose of the scout's gun should be obvious. When surveying the area, the scout needs to know any obstacles that might make the area more trouble than it's worth. Examples include bobbed wire fences, high walls, ditches, streams, and so forth. All these things might make it too difficult or dangerous to lug back supplies. The scout should also note whether any buildings in question have been damaged by things such as bombs or earthquakes. You don't want the stairs you're climbing to collapse or a ceiling to fall on your head while you're digging through the rubble. If you have a local map, you should study them carefully to figure out all the ways in, in and out of the area you want to search. Plan your route carefully and no alternate routes in case your main route gets cut off. You and your group will have to weigh the cost versus the benefits and the risk versus the rewards before searching an area. Is the thing you want to search for necessary to save someone's survival? Or is it just something that would make you slightly more comfortable? Make a plan. 
Once you've decided where to go and what to look for, you'll have to decide who to send. Never send someone alone. He or she could twist an ankle or something and need help returning to camp. Also, there could be heavy obstacles or supplies that requires at least two people to move. And remember, one person is far more likely to be robbed or killed than two or more people. Ideally, you would send several people, but that depends on how many you can spare. You don't want to leave children alone at your camp. Your group should take a vulture toolkit with them. This is a kit which, with things you might need for scavenging, such as bags, cordage, lockpicks, cutting tools, a siphon, water jugs, and so forth. I also recommend bringing respirators and goggles in case the lo- location's air is full of dust or smoke. If you have several areas to search, you'll have to decide the order in which to search them. It's better to start further out and work your way back towards camp so you don't waste energy carrying supplies farther than necessary. If you know the heaviest items are going to be in a particular place, go there last. If scavenging your area is going to take several days or weeks, you should get a map and mark the locations you search so you don't accidentally visit the same place twice. Alright, so where to look? Pretty much everywhere. Here are some possible targets and what you may find with them. Automotive shops. You have a better chance of finding the part you need here than in a department store. It's true now and it will be true after the SHTF2. Cars. You'll want to check the glove box under the seats and in the trunk for snacks, tools, and other useful items. Parts of the car itself might prove useful too. The mirrors could be used for signaling, the wiring for cordage, the upholstery for bedding and insulation, the battery for power if someone in your group is mechanically inclined, And of course, the engine parts if you need them for your own vehicle. Here's a list of 13 things you can scavenge from cars. Churches. I know stealing supplies from a church is pure evil, right? But again, it's not stealing if you're in an end-of-the-world type scenario and the church has been completely abandoned. Churches that give food to the needy might have lots of canned food in the kitchen and closets. Distribution centers. Most people will hit grocery stores first, so it will be a little longer before the warehouses are picked clean. Even then, there may be a few things that were overlooked. Also, check the semi-trailers. You may find non-perishable foods and other supplies. Dumpsters. It won't be fun, but you might find some hidden treasures in dumpsters. There's a book worth checking out called The Art and Science of Dumpster Diving. Fire stations. You may find food, supplies, and clothing. Plus, the fire engine has a tank with hundreds of gallons of water. It will need to be filtered, though. Gas stations. These will probably be picked clean, but you never know. It's worth a look. Government buildings. Most federal installations have commercial-grade solar panels. You may also find backup lighting and emergency supplies. Grocery stores. These will probably be picked clean too, but you may find food in less obvious places, such as under shelves, behind displays, and beneath cash registers. Also check the bathrooms, the offices, the stock room, and the loading dock. Hospitals. Obviously, these should have lots of food, clothes, and medical supplies. Check every single closet and every single drawer. Houses. Check everywhere. Rooms, garage, basements, attics, backyard, storage sheds, the garden if there is one, etc. The water heater has up to 70 gallons of drinking water. Better yet, look for houses with swimming pools. Also, keep an eye out for metal boxes, which can be covered, converted into wood stoves. Manufacturing facilities. They may have fuel, batteries, tools, first aid supplies, and all kinds of useful items. Marinas. Check abandoned boats. They usually have supplies like emergency rations, communication equipment, fishing equipment, and possibly guns. 
office buildings. Check brick. Sorry, check break rooms for vending machines and check desks for snacks and small tools. There should be fire extinguishers in most rooms and cleaning supplies in the janitor's closet. Pawn shops. If you're lucky, you'll find weapons, ammo, and other miscellaneous gear. You might even find some working electronics such as walkie-talkies or a ham radio. Pet stores. If your pets are still okay, a pet store might make it possible for you to keep feeding them without giving up any of your own food. You could also eat it yourself, but I wouldn't recommend that unless you're very desperate. There are no FDA regulations on pet food, and it could make you sick if you eat too much. Restaurants. These will probably be empty, but check anyway. There may be a few cans or bags of food that were overlooked. Anything that was in the freezer will have gone bad, though. Retail stores. See grocery stores above. Consider grabbing some non-electric entertainment such as books, cards, board games, sports equipment, etc. Schools. There's a lot to be found in schools. Tools, fire extinguishers, first aid kits, cleaning supplies, and possibly food in the cafeteria. If you have time and can get them open, you might want to check the lockers as well. There may be some snacks with a long shelf life in them. And then the last one, shelf storage facilities. If you have time to pry open all of them, it might be worth it. You probably won't find any food or perishable items, but there's a chance you'll find some clothes or useful gear and equipment. All right. So um, again, some of the you know some of the comments. There's a couple of comments here, and one of them is like, "Hey, this is you know fantasy or whatever." So here's here's the thing that that I wanted to point out. There might be a lot of places that people aren't thinking of, and maybe places that you haven't thought of. But people work at these places. So if the poop really hits the fan, people that are in a desperate situation are going to be thinking about their place of employment and say, "You know what?" We had food there, or we had first aid supplies there, or we had you know, batteries there, or whatever it might be. So they might be headed that way. At least the people who are thinking like, hey, I, you know, I need to stock up, or I need to get some supplies. Where can I go? The grocery stores are out, and you know, Walmart is out, or, or you know, whatever, even if you, you, know, you can get to those places. So, you know, people who work at these places are going to know about them. They're going to think about them. They're already going to go hit those places uh, up. So, it's, you know, the places that uh, don't have a lot of employees uh, might be the places to go to, to scavenge if you really had to scavenge for, for things. And again, depending on, you know, whatever it was that caused the poop to hit the fan, uh, you know, that's always part of the, part of the scenario. So the last thing that I wanted to kind of bring up on this one is this. I used to believe, and I still kind of, I'm still kind of working through this on, on my own. I used to believe that if there was a poop hit the fan scenario, so let's just go the big one, right? EMP. Uh, if an EMP hit, that there would be a lot of people. It's kind of like you know, looking at their phones and 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 looking at it like, hey, what in the world is going on? Uh, th they would be turning on and off their phones. They would be cranking their cars. They would be, you know, whatever it was to try to figure out what was going on and that they'd just kind of be walking around aimlessly and it might take a couple of days for things to sink in. But with all the talk about North Korea and EMP, you know, EMP has been out there. I've heard people talk about EMP that I've never talk heard talk about EMPs before. So people are starting to talk about it. They know what it is. They know what would possibly happen. So the thing is, is that would there really be 
like uh, a, a time where people would be eased into, hey, this is the end of the world and, and all hell breaks loose? Or would that hit right off the bat? Because I always used to think, man, people are going to, yeah, again, people are going to be, uh, you know, like, hey, what's going on? The government's going to fix this. Let me go wait in front of my TV or, or my computer. You know, when the electricity comes on, I'll find out what's going on. I used to think that way that people would just, you know, there would be a day or two of, of just kind of like, you know, people are, are walking around awestruck. But I don't know. I'm starting to wonder, would people really, really uh, behave that way? Uh, you know, people are, uh, one of the things that came up today at church and just talking with a couple of the guys is, is one of the guys said, uh, hey man, it just seems like people are angry right now. It's like everybody I run into, they just like, they're, they're frustrated, they're angry. And, and I've noticed that for a long time. I mean, I wrote an article of, of, a while back, years ago, uh, about this present frustration that I've, I've been noticing that in, in the, the articles that I read for Prepper website and then just, you know, in, in my own, just kind of frustrated out there and in the world and how frustrating it is. But now it's starting to become like mainstream, right? It's the like people are out there and they're like just, ugh. And so... Would there be uh, any downtime? Would there, would there, or would if there was a, a, a poop hit the fan scenario, uh, would we go into chaos like straight away, right away? And uh, I think it kind of depends on on what it was and what the situation is. Um, if it's an EMP, probably. Um, if it's more of a financial collapse and it's a slow spiral, I think those of us who are paying attention to it might get a little bit more of a of a clue ahead of the time. Uh, if it's nuclear war, you know, we're kind of same thing with, with uh, uh, the EMP situation. If it's a pandemic, I think, you know, people would, um, those of us who are aware are going to be, you know, those of us who, who, uh, who read alternative news and are in that, in, you know, in, in that mode of staying aware or might get a little bit of a heads up uh, before, you know, things start really, really getting bad. Um, but you know, I don't know. So, what do you think? Uh, I'll leave that. I'll leave that question out there. What do you think? What, you know, would people immediately would chaos immediately uh, start, or would people you know ease into it as they started to realize that the world had completely changed? Uh, so, if you have any thoughts on that, come over to episode 164 at the Prepper Website Podcast dot com, and I'd love to know your thoughts on that one. So uh, that's it for that's it for the Monday podcast. Hey, I hope you had a great weekend, and I hope you are starting off your week strong. Um, you know, there's always uh, reason to stay prepped and aware out there. Um, the world is a crazy place, but we're trying to give you the resources here to keep you prepared and to help you to live a more self-reliant life. If you get a chance, I'd love for you to come over to and join the Facebook group. A lot of great discussion over there. We also have the email list, and I'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And if you feel like you've gotten some value from the podcast, uh, I'd, I'd appreciate it if you could go over to iTunes and drop a, a review. Well, we always, you know, we always appreciate those. That always helps out on iTunes uh, to get the message out there. All right. So with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.